Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen. What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Today's guest on the show is Dominic Hoskins. Dom is the head of Foil Drive Europe. And I was super psyched to have him on after the feedback, how many guys who have been on foil drives, Paul Cooper, Josh Koo, and telling me how sick it is and how much I'm going to dig it. So we recorded this show about a month ago. And after recording, Josh, who's now working with foil drive, reached out and asked if I'd want to test one. They sent that to me. It came a couple days ago. I knew that was going to happen. So I figured I'd wait to release this until after I'd had a chance to test it to just see what my feels were ahead of this conversation. And I have to say, it's fantastic. I'm digging it. I am three sessions in so far. It came on Friday. Today is Monday. And yeah, it's wild. The learning curve is pretty quick. It pairs insanely well with the Enigma. I was getting up. I mean, first attempt, I got up on it. Had to like learn how to control pitch a little bit. There's an interesting moment when the drive goes in and out of the water. And there's like a feeling of a massive forward pitching moment when it comes out because there's so much force from it. But you get used to that and it didn't take me long. Within the first session, I was just doing S turns to the beach on a day that the tide wasn't right and I wouldn't have been out there yet. I'd have been just sitting at the house watching, waiting on the tide. And so it just like everything I was thinking it was going to work for worked immediately. (laughs) And that was fantastic. Uh, You notice the weight a little bit, but it's not a big deal, you know? Koo, after the after the session, I was talking to Koo a little bit, and he's like, did you hit foam? I was like, no, I wasn't even thinking about hitting foam. He's like, yeah, I hit foam. He's like, on your first session? He's like, yeah. I was like, all right, well. So he's crushing it, and apparently I didn't, but it felt fantastic. Turns you're laying down. Once you get, you know, an idea of how to control mast height, it's not a big deal. So, yeah, super, super easy. I was more concerned about safety with it before I wrote it. You know, I've seen some of the injuries that have happened from foil drive, and that's one of the things that scares me a little bit, but I don't think that's an issue. You know, like I'm not going to be riding a chop tail board with it where the propeller is sticking out behind the board. I think that still looks really sketch. Maybe I'll change my mind at some point. I feel great with it on the Enigma, and I feel like it would be, knock on wood, fairly difficult to hit it. But, you know, first session, I was basically just trying to figure out how to release the trigger and and not get too focused in on surfing to where I might be powered up if I fall. But as soon as it goes underwater, it turns off automatically. But my standard practice right now is just use it to get into waves, ollie up so the drive is out of the water, depower completely at that point, and then just surf, connect a wave or two, uh, or as much as you want. I'm doing like generally two to three, you know, waves at once I whip in, just pumping around. And then powering back up and going offshore to find the next set. It's interesting what it does for cardio. You know, I was thinking that it wasn't going to be that great of a workout. It's a, it's a good workout and it's different than the way that I prone, which I really like. In prone, I'm generally doing a pop-up and then just running to red light and a red line, I should say, and coming off foil with a tapped out heart rate, letting it rest for a couple minutes and then doing that again, which is basically hit training, high intensity training. When I was using the drive these last few sessions, what I found is that I could stay in the jogging range 
where I never let myself really redline, but then I'm never letting myself really rest either. You know, session two, I was in the water for about an hour and I was on foil for like 50 minutes, something like that. So you're logging a lot of miles. It's, it's, it's pretty wild. At least that was according to my watch. So yeah, I'm stoked. I can't wait to see where this all goes. I think it's going to be mental. And I know that innovation, you know, there's a lot of these things coming out right now. I just saw Bennett's, what he just dropped with the flight lab. That looks pretty cool. I just wonder, I like the the ability to be able to continue on and not have to come off foil. But I think for that might be rad for like downwind sends when it just depends on where the weight is, I guess. But the weight on this doesn't doesn't really bother me. So yeah, that's awesome. And let's just dive in with with Dom. I'll I'll give you guys reports. The next show coming up is Josh Koo. And that'll be out in a few days. And we actually talk about this a little bit too. And that was recorded before I got the drive as well. So there's going to be some overlap on these, but I think you'll dig it. And, and yeah, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you guys. Dom, what's going on, man? Hey, yeah, it's, it's all happening here. Full Drive Europe is, is underway. I've moved country three times in the last eight months, not quite knowing where my fix the boat is but uh beginning to beginning to feel settled here in the netherlands that's awesome that was also i'll give you credit that was also the earliest product mention ever in a podcast <laughs> <laughs> really i that's think like so here's the second word <laughs> awesome foil drive europe <laughs> <laughs> well you know get it out of the way first and uh, then we can concentrate on just I well, know, I, whatever that's partly what i want to talk about because i feel like you know, I was thinking about this show, you know, for the last couple days and three or four years ago, Foiling Magazine asked me to write a piece on what I thought the future of foiling looked like. And my 10 year prediction at that time was essentially what foil drive Two or whatever this model is, is doing for the sport. It was this hybrid place where you, you know, cardio pumping becomes less of a thing and it's more about just the surf experience. I, I didn't think it was going to happen this fast. And so I was thinking about that over the weekend and just really excited to hear your thoughts on, on this whole journey. But before we start into that, let's get to know you a little bit. Who, who are you? <laughs> I'm a father of four. I am a, <laughs> sorry, how old are they? Limey, my youngest daughter, she's 13 and I've got three sons who are 19 21 and 24. Unreal. So, yeah. Two of them have, have left union, got jobs. One's still sort of training. And my daughter is absolutely mad keen on the horses. Doesn't want to do anything else in the world. Just just wants to ride horses. That's it. Amazing. That's, you know, that's um, that suppose, different from foiling. I was just about to add that she's very similar to a dad like that because I don't want to do anything but foiling. She, she can't see past the four four legs and a tail, but at some point in life, I'm sure I'll introduce her to, to carbon fiber and, and foiling. So the future uh, may bring us a little bit closer together sports-wise. So yeah, what else can I say? I'm a school teacher of 16 years. I used to teach science, specifically biology. Lived in Amman for the last eight years. Uh, worked in a British international school over there. And I have a real love for teaching. So the only reason why I'm I quit my job and started working in the, the, the sort of the, the industry, if you like, was 
not because I'd had enough of teaching. I, I still absolutely loved it. It's just Paul and Ben from Full Drive, they became such good friends. And we, we all shared this, this passion, this vision that, that they had. It brought us together. They sort of brought me into the fold and included me. I, I just still feel super honored to be, to be a part of that whole process of developing the Gen 2 full drive system. And yeah, it wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been tempted to leave teaching as a career for anything else. But when they, when they offered me a role within the company, because I do work for them, I'm not just a, an independent distributor for them in, in Europe. I, I actually work for Foil Drive. So yeah, it was uh, the one thing that tempted me to leave, leave teaching. And that's it. Now we, uh, we've settled in the Netherlands, not for the weather, <laughs> but <laughs> simply because it's a very, very good place to do business within Europe. It's super close to the UK. And they, despite the cold, they do have some absolutely awesome downwinding conditions. So there is, uh, there is light at the end of the tunnel there. That's awesome. It, what was that leap of faith jumping into foiling full-time like for you? How'd you make that decision? That's, uh, <laughs> it still baffles me now because, you know, teaching is a very, very stable profession. If you're good at it and you, you can handle it, then, you know, it, it's, it's very, very stable. You know, you've got a lot of job security that the holidays are good. The, well, no, the holidays are great. The, uh, the pay is reasonable. And to a certain extent, you're, you're your own boss because, you know, when you're in taking a class, you know, nobody's there to, to tell you what to do. You, you sort of, you can plan your lessons, you can, you know, deliver them in the way that you want. And, and as long as the feedback from the kids is, is good, then everybody leaves you to, to do what you want to do and how you want to do it. So leaving that very sort of secure environment to, to go into what is essentially quite a high risk unknown quantity you know, Paul and Ben have, have literally said, full drive Europe, that's your baby, you run with it. You know, they, they've pretty much given me carte blanche to, to sort of run it in the way that I, I want to do it and, and to make decisions based on, you know, my, my own preferences. Obviously, I answer to them and I would always fly the, the, the full drive flag, you know, in terms of I'm not going to make any decisions that's counterproductive for full drive. I'll always, you know, back them up no matter what. Yeah, it's it's a big, big change of career, not just in what I'm doing, but how I have to approach life. It's it's thrown a lot of the stresses at me and my my fiance, who is sitting there, what eating a salad, sort of taking it all in and looking at me with a bit of a critical expression right now, um, wondering how our lives changed quite so drastically. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the excitement, the the overall challenge is what drives me challenge in something new this isn't my first big career change i was self-employed before i became a teacher but the challenge certainly in, in the development and you know bringing this product to the to the masses which i genuinely feel that this is a product which will do a lot of good for the foiling world i really do and i'm, I'm not going to elaborate on that because you know i want you to to direct this this conversation rather than me just <laughs> Having verbal diarrhea, which I am known for. So I'll shut up. Um, you no, know, I mean, so yesterday here we had a decent runner condition type day. It was probably a four or five out of 10 south, southwest winds, you know, three to four feet at 
six seconds with some angle, but not not a ton of angle. And, you know, I wanted to do a runner, Brian. I couldn't convince him. He's like, that's not good enough. And it's like, all right, I'll just do a short one. Just did like two miles. And it was a pretty easy two miles. But it was a day when I was relaxing on waves to save cardio for the needed pump. And, you know, last night thinking about this conversation, you know, with foil drive yesterday, I probably would have just surfed my brains out the entire run <laughs> and not had to deal with the pumping. And there's such there's such beauty in, in understanding all of that nuance. And and I actually really love that game. Like I love doing long runs on, you know, challenging days because I think it's there's something to be said for being able to do that. And it's, you know, I like the cardio aspect of it too. Like I like pushing myself in those moments, but two miles of surfing versus two miles of gliding probably would have chosen surfing. And I mean, like well, I would not have ever, but, and it's interesting that I think about foil drive in that way. I haven't gotten to feel it yet. So this is just based on what I'm seeing and talking to guys like Paul Cooper, but the difference is I would have never thought about that as far as an e-foil. I would never would have thought like, oh, I'd rather be on an e-foil right now. Maybe that would be more oh, fun. You know, totally. so there's something that you've tapped into some hybrid that is it doesn't feel at least from the outside hopefully i get to feel it at some point it doesn't feel like it's taking away that much from the experience i'm sure there's a little extra weight but we you know surf down board so that that's mm. really cool to be there it's i mean there's a lot of things you've touched on there but i i think where i'm going to start is is you use the word hybrid and and that's that's exactly for me what this is is what this experience is now in foiling it doesn't matter what equipment you use there is always going to be a compromise a way that your equipment sort of influences not in some ways not just influences but forces you to adapt your style to be able to use it i mean take these big long barracuda style downwind boards they are there primarily to let people paddle up onto foil in downwinding conditions and because people want to use smaller foils, they are being forced to use longer and longer boards. I know people who started off with seven, six boards, and they're now on an eight, 10 board because they want to use a smaller foil and they just cannot paddle up with that foil with the seven, six. So once you're up on foil, that board then becomes a compromise. Now, is there any difference in using foil drive to get you up on foil, whereas you don't have the big long board, but you do have, with the Assist Slim, a meager 2.3 kilograms added to your kit, which again, isn't as bad as it seems because it's right on top of the mast sandwich between the mast plate and the board, yep. where it almost disappears. I mean, I literally cannot tell the difference when I'm downwinding with the Assist Slim. Now with the Assist Max, yeah, you can have the smaller battery and it's 3.5 kilos, the bigger battery and it's 4.5. And you do notice the weight, but it doesn't affect the performance in terms of, you know, maneuverability or swing weight. Um, in fact, when I took my demo kits over to Portugal and, and I saw quite a few people, but notably the big wave surfers, big wave foilers in Nazare. So Rafael Tapia, he... He is one of the best at, you know, doing what he does, riding those massive, massive lumps of swell that just come charging in. And I mean, they, they charge in fast. It was like nothing I'd ever experienced before. And it was a tiny day when I was there. 
and he said after after a couple of sessions he he said because I, I said to him right what do you prefer the max or the slim and he goes the max and i said really i thought you were going to go for the slim because the weight and he goes no the extra weight actually helps when you're going that fast you need a little bit of weight to stabilize your whole setup otherwise you're just wobbling all over like you know if, if you've got something featherweight it might be super fast but you you, you lose control so you need a little bit of a little bit of weight on your setup and and he said that he was amazed at you know even though it gave him that extra weight because it didn't affect in terms of swing weight at all he was absolutely loving it and and then when i went to see olivia piana further south in portugal she was charging hard on on those you know that that was a good swell day down down a couple of hours south of of lisbon and she was just going crazy on you know charging every single bomb that came through she was just going straight into the pit just you know she said afterwards that without full drive she would never have been able to get into the position that she needed to ride 90 percent of, of you know she said if, if it was like her on a sup board she maybe would have caught five percent of of what she did in that hour-long session when she was on the, the full drive max and again she said that the extra weight helped her so you know it's it's surprising because everybody finds something different that they can get out of full drive and okay so that's the that's the, the first bit from from when you said hybrid foiling haven't really finished that yet but i want to go back to the first thing you said which was you're at the moment from what you've gathered about full drive is that you're expecting it to be able to help you to sort of not bother not bother with the pumping side and and so you can surf your surf to your heart's content and not worry about the physical side of it so much you can do it like that, sure, but you can also use full drive to help your cardio to to you know use it as a training tool. I mean, the amount of times that I've heard people say, "Oh, yeah, but you're you're not getting a workout if you're if you're using full drive." And I'm afraid it depends entirely on how you use it because you can get the best workout that you could possibly imagine. You you can you know you can go out there determined to pump. You can doesn't matter if you've got the max or the slim. You can pump just you know as much as you want I, I think there's this there's this misconception that everybody has when they first start using full drive and i go back to olivia piano again her first 20 minute session um she finished that and she said wow that was a lot harder than i was expecting i saw all the videos with james casey and everybody else and i just thought i'd get on it and literally be able to hunt down waves straight away and pump straight away it's like it took a 20-minute session on, on that first evening. Then we ran out of light. And then the next morning, 10 minutes, and she'd cracked it. She'd absolutely cracked it. She was, you know, oiling up behind the mast, pumping around on flat water. She was chasing down swell. She was literally lying on it and riding around Superman style. She'd got it sussed much, much quicker than most people. But most people will have this preconceived idea, yeah, full drive will help me to do this. And then they start using it for that, and they realize that it's slightly different to how they thought, and then it sort of changes your perspective. And you go, oh, right, I didn't realize it's like this. So, yeah, I could use it for that. I could use it for flat water pumping. I could use it for wake thieving, chasing down massive, you know, those big old tanker swell. I saw this video of somebody who, who was riding tanker swell, and they felt they just made a mistake. And it took him half an hour to paddle back in on a nine or 10 litre board. 
And it was, you know, it was, I felt for him. I really did. And you know, I look back to my dock starting days where, you know, I, I never had a dock. I, I pioneered the ladder start. So I built a little platform on the top of an A-frame ladder and I like sank the legs into the sand and I jumped off and I chased down swell, chased down wakes. But I could never go very far from the ladder because I knew that if I fell, I'd have a hell of a paddle back. So it would always limit me. And with foil drive, it doesn't matter where I fall or how far I go because I don't have to get back to a start point. There is no start point. Literally, wherever I fall, wherever I want to take a rest, I can just sit on my board, let my legs recover, and then use foil drive to pop back up on foil, carry on pumping, catch another wake. The, the possibilities literally are endless. So, yeah, I mean, my, the, the one thing that I really want to say to to your first sort of your, your first questions about full drive is don't let it limit you. Well, don't let your preconceived ideas of what it could do for you limit you because there will be more. The, the, everybody, everybody says that it, it just changes their perspectives of what they can achieve in foiling. No, I, I can see that. And I can see it, you know, you mentioned the cardio thing and, um, you know, I, I can see the ability to be able to rest a little bit to extend a run is actually a better workout than coming off foil, recovering mm -hmm. for a little while, getting back up on foil. Yeah, that's that's it's a different form of workout. Yeah, it could be cardio. It could be more anaerobic. If if you want to, I mean, if the assist slim, for example, has got loads of power to get you up on foil, even with a small board and small foil, but it doesn't have much runtime. So What's the well, runtime on it. Well, it depends how you use it. You know, if you're going to just motor around with it constantly, like an e-foil, then then probably about I don't know, tiny foil, heavy rider, ten minutes, average. Okay. Average weight rider, medium-sized foil, maybe 20 minutes, you know, lightweight rider, half an hour. I mean, that's just constant, non-stop using the motor. But nobody uses it. That whole point is the slim isn't meant to be used like that. It's much, it's it's designed much more to be an assist to get you up on foil. And yeah, you can use the motor for small bursts of, you know, this hybrid foiling. So if I have got clean sets of waves coming in and, you know, I can catch a wave mostly pump to link waves but because my fitness isn't right up there with you know the, the the best out there i can link four or five waves before my legs give out but with the slim still pumping the majority of the time but using the trigger to to boost with the motor when i need it when i need either from the you know strength fitness point of view or to save me when i've made a mistake i can be up on four for half an hour linking waves yep. and then the runtime yeah i get I've, I've gotten over three quarters of an hour with the small battery on the slim before. And Paul Cooper, he's, he's I think, getting hour plus. But, I mean, he's, he's another level. <laughs> yeah, I know Paul's yeah. a legend. The one thing yeah. that I see about this, thinking about this taking hold in the market and then more and more foils, foilers having, having the foil drive and being up on foil longer is it is going to impact surf lineups you know at a, at a much greater margin than than we currently are and so i wonder have you started to educate owners of foil drives about you know maybe how to use them in a lineup because i feel like the surf backlash from a foil drive it's like an e-foil but you're gonna have a better caliber of rider probably on them up longer in the pocket more i can see that becoming a an issue with surf lineups 
This is something that we are worried about and that we are definitely, well, we have started the process of, of educating people. And I feel like know, they got to get banned, like California, certain places the, the probably people will be like, yeah, that that's not happening in our lineup. And then there'll be petitions and, and stuff. And I don't think it'll be a bad thing if, if that happens. And, and that might surprise you and other people to hear me say that because, you know, it's uh, it's right. Let me put it this way. I listened to one of the recent Casey Catchup podcasts and he was interviewing Lucas Schuler. I think his Instagram is foil only. And at some point, Lucas actually asked James where he sees foiling in 10 years time. And James said, without a shadow of a doubt, downwinding, because there are only so many lineups in existence in the world. There are more and more and more people in the world every year. There are more and more people getting into surfing, especially now with foiling, especially now with the foil assists coming out. There's just not enough room. So people will have to go down the downwinding route. And I feel very, very passionately, this is, I'm, I'm really glad you asked this question because I feel super passionate that one of the, the ways that I see foil drive fitting into foiling is that it will enable more people to get into foiling and coexist with other water sports users and, and surfers because we don't have the need to have those waves that surfers need. We don't need to take off in a critical section. We don't need a wave face. We can take off on flat water if we need to. We can take off with a much smaller foil just way off the shoulder on a bit of swell that nobody else can catch, literally nobody else. And as such, I think it's, it's almost like the duty of anybody using a foil, system, a foil assist system to first and foremost put those people who don't have the advantage that we've got, put their sort of needs before ours and leave them the hell alone in, in a busy lineup. I mean, if there's nobody there, then yeah, it's fair game. If you're competing with surfers, with you know paddlers, with other people that need those conditions, then I really don't think that we should be there. However, I also don't think that there's any problem with us sort of being close by and mopping up all of the the little you know things that they can't catch or they don't want to to ride. So we're we're off the shoulder. We're we're catching some of the bits that that they're going to leave. So I don't think foil drivers should stay away from the lineup. I don't think we should be banned, but I, I do think that we need to take our advantage very seriously with regards to respecting other water sports users and their needs. I, I agree. My fear would be that surfers would not be educated. And so they would lump all of foiling into the same basket and then it'll take away prone options. That, that's what I see happening in, in mm. places, you know, there's probably a couple places where it'll happen and then uh, hopefully there'll be pushback in education. And, and then... Yeah, well, I think anything with motor support has, has got to be categorized differently to, like you say, surfing or prone foiling. I personally don't sit, see, I'm not from a surfing background, so I, I don't pick up on all of the, the nuances there, but really is... Does anybody have more right than the other, a prone surfer or a surfer? Sorry, a prone foiler or a, or a surfer. It, it, does any one of them have more right than the other? I mean, I think no, but surfers would say something different. <laughs> I, I think <laughs> if you're under longer. your own power, then it's fair game. Especially yeah. Yeah, paddling so in prone is so much harder than paddling in on a surfboard. 
Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, no, that's probably why I use full drive because I just can't. <laughs> I wanted to bypass the pain. But yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things where there's always going to be, no matter who it is, it doesn't matter what the new thing is, the surfers, if they were there first, then they're going to, to resent anybody that's taking away waves from them. And then, you know, if it's not surfers, it's 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 whoever else is is utilizing it. And and yeah, I I would I mean I'm biased, but I would argue that foil assist users are a different category to e-foilers. You know, e-foiling, you can't really ride a wave or swell without the motor. Now, some people can on on the the real expensive, real, you know, the 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 super small ones. I know the word nano comes to mind, but it's still about 24 kilos. And there's not many people that would be able to ride uh, a wave without the use of the motor. And those people especially would still need the slightly bigger, more powerful waves. So I think that the, the proper refoils in the lineup are more of a problem than the foil assist people because we only add 2.3 to 4.5 kilos to your existing foil setup. And as such, we can ride literally nothing. We, we can ride the stuff that nobody else can ride. So yeah, I, I would hope that people have the sense to, to separate, you know, non-powered surfers, whether it's on a normal surfboard or a foilboard, separate that from e-foils, and again, separate that from foil assist systems. It's it's going to take. I, I really genuinely hope it doesn't take an accident for for all this to get sorted out. My my passion is to to get as many people into foiling, especially the downwinding aspect of it, as possible. Because I, I I genuinely haven't discovered any feeling, any sport. I've done a lot of different sports. I've I've genuinely never experienced anything quite like what downwinding gives me. Um, it's it's quite bizarre how it excites me yet chills me at the same time. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I, I just want everybody, <laughs> as many po people as possible to experience that. I agree completely. I feel like if any surfer felt what downwinding is like, they'd be an immediate convert. And it's all they'd want to do. I mean, downwinding when yeah. it's on is, is so good. Let's talk about downwinding just a little bit. So how are you starting with a foil drive on a downwind board with the paddle? Because now you've got two things you've got to hold. Well, the controller is mounted onto the paddle via a, uh, like a, a, plastic, a plastic gizmo that, that bolts onto your, your paddle shaft, and then you, okay. you insert the, the controller into that. You can put it at the top of the paddle, so you operate it with your top hand, or you can put it close to your, your bottom hand. So yeah, it's, it's up to the individual how they, they mount it. But yeah, essentially it goes on the paddle. And is it like an e-foil where it's a sensitive trigger where you can decide the amount of power you're giving it? Or is it more like one of those fins, boost fins where it's off or on? Oh, hell no, no, no. It's, it's fully progressional trigger. So it's very smooth in its operation. So you, you, you know, pull it a little bit and it's, it gives you say 10% and then it's progressional all the way to hundred percent when by the time you've pulled the trigger all the way in. With the Gen 2 system, you can also use the app to, to program whatever level of control you want. So if you want to limit, I've, I've seen some posts recently of some people who are like 60 kilos, and they're saying that they're using the app to, to limit the power. So the maximum power is, is limited to 
We've also got uh, a feature of boost mode, so you can, if especially for heavy riders wanting to get up on foil with a small foil, they can set boost mode. So 100, I think it's 120% for a maximum of 12 seconds. So when you pull the trigger and it goes over 95% throttle, it activates boost and you get this extra, you know, 20 power just for 10, 12 seconds. You, you can set that to, to whatever you like, that the parameters are, are fully adjustable via the app. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I started off subfoiling because when I started foiling, I was living in Amman and the, the waves, yeah, we, we, we get some really nice storm swell coming in occasionally, but rarely. And normally the, <laughs> the waves that we do get are difficult enough to catch with a big sup board anyway. So I was struggling, really struggling to, to learn to sup foil, mostly because of the conditions. So when I got foil drive, the original Assist Plus, wow, my wave count went up from, you know, one or two in a session to, to literally just catching everything that was in sight. And my, my progression just rocketed. And from there, I started playing around with, okay, so I did a lot of wake foiling at the time, and I loved my 4.0, 32-litre um, prone board. And yeah, I, I tried it, failed dismally. So <laughs> I, I used my wing foil board, which is at the time that was 75 litres. And that really got me going. I learned to prone foil on that, quickly went down to a, an apple tree 60-litre uh, wing foil board, which was just awesome for it, it's just the perfect intermediate board for for transitioning me from sup foiling to prone foiling and then one day i i had my my wake well it's actually the prone board the 4.0 in my car because i couldn't be bothered to take it out i drove three hours down the coast to this amazing surf spot this beautiful point break which as the waves wrap around the point they then sort of fade but then they reform and they wrap around the whole bay so if you time it right and you can pump from where it fades to the reform, you can literally go 800 meters to a kilometer. Maybe sometimes I, I heard somebody say that they got a 1.3 K ride. Um, and that was on a, just a normal longboard. You know, sometimes the conditions are so good there. So this one day I just happened to have my 4.0 in the car and I thought, what the hell, I'll try it. And, and it worked. It absolutely worked. And my mind was blown. I did this instant video on the beach just saying, well, this is, this is just reach my goal of being able to prone foil way quicker than I thought was ever possible. And uh, yeah, I, I got a ton of messages from that video just saying, you know, what's his story? How, how did he get to this point? We want to, we want to know the rest is history. So cool. Such a more intelligent way to attach the battery than on the deck the first ones were hard to take serious in a way just because you got this whole apparatus sitting on the deck of your board and <laughs> now it's so streamlined so much oh yeah much better do you have to it's come of age. to charge or can you just charge can you leave it can you leave your setup on your board sorry say again you uh, do you have to board? disassemble the mast to charge after a session or can you just leave everything assembled and just plug it in Oh, you can leave everything assembled. I mean, I, I always crack the bolts of everything because, you know, who, who wants them to seize in place? But uh, yeah, business as usual from that point of view. No, you literally just two latches, undo those two latches, take those cone off, slide the battery out, and you can put it on charge. Yeah, it's as uh, simple as that. I, it, it is literally one of the simplest systems. I mean, Paul has... Th this is... 
I can't genuinely can't think of a of a better system. I mean, there, there's more systems coming on the market, and a lot of them are throwing a lot of time and money into marketing. But and, and we know about a lot of them. We really do. We we we've got our ears to the ground, and a lot of people pass on information. Oh, have you heard this is coming out? Yeah, <laughs> we've heard about that one. And all of the ones coming out are deeply, I mean, I would say this because I'm biased, but all the ones coming out are deeply flawed in some way. Some of them are saying, yeah, there's loads more power. But when you look at it, they are so heavy. They are like their smallest one is the same weight as our heaviest, biggest model, and they go up and up and up in weight. And they think that more power is needed, but more power means you need bigger batteries. Bigger batteries are the quickest way to add weight. And what Paul has done is he's engineered this F1 system. It literally is the biggest, the highest power to weight ratio system. I don't think anybody's going to beat this for a long, long time. And it's all about, like you say, about the pure falling performance that Paul didn't want to compromise. And yes, with the max and the power battery, you can feel that weight. And some people, the, you know, the better you are, will feel that weight and go, oh, I don't like this. Then there's the slim available. But look at Paul Cooper. He is ripping on the Assist Max with a power battery. And he, wow, his last couple of Insta posts have just blown my mind. And, and, you know, I've seen many people ripping on these things. What about injuries? You know, you have a naked prop and there. There is always that possibility and i think one of the the most important things to realize is that if you are going to use one of these systems then you have to take responsibility for the potential of injuries and 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 it's i would i would say that you can minimize the risk by having having that risk at the forefront of your mind and managing it so yes there is a risk i would say that that risk is very minimal are you seeing a lot? But at the end of the day, anyone can have an accident. And, and, and if it happens, then, yeah, it's awful. No, we're not seeing a lot. We're, we're not seeing a lot at all. In actual fact, they are incredibly rare. But again, the people who are getting injuries, there's only three that I know about where, where people have been cut by the props. And all of those incidents have come about with people doing extreme, you know, going deep into big big overhead waves or more and you know when you're doing that if it's not the prop then there's a risk from the foil and the mast and the stab and everything else so yeah if, if you're going to use one of these you've got to accept there is a risk yeah well that's so cool how, how did you initially get into foiling when did you start well i'm going to blame it all on my fiance because <laughs> i was quite happy subsurfing I'd been subsurfing. Well, right. So I, I started my water sports journey sailing dinghies. Then I went over to windsurfing. Um, then I went over to kite surfing. And when I moved to Amman, I didn't really like the conditions for kite surfing. I, I was either a, sort of like doing weight tricks on the flat water or I was wave riding. And Amman doesn't really have, I mean, it's got good kite surfing conditions, but it's always choppy. It's always a little bit, you know, in between what the two sort of variants that I was used to. So it didn't really do it for me. So I saw the conditions were pretty good for subsurfing. So I started that and, and ended up really liking it. But then <laughs> me and Anna were traveling around the south of France, long old holidays as teachers get. 
in the summer. And we were at, we were at I think it was Biscaross. We'd, we'd just on our way down to, uh, to Biritz. And she saw this, this video online. You know how Google listens to you and Facebook and YouTube? They, they, I'm sure they do. They listen to you. And, and you know, because I've been talking about subsurfing so much, all these videos kept on flashing up on mine, but and also on her phone. So she, she watched this video and said, Don, what the, what the hell are these people doing? It's, it's like they're subsurfing, but they're not. And I, and I had a look at it and I was like, I don't know what that is, but I want to do it. And that was like a light bulb went off in my head. It, it was actually a, a video of Derek Hamasaki. And he was like the guy who inspired me. He was the first person that I saw doing that incredible linking waves by pumping. He was ripping even back then on his Jimmy Lewis board, go foils. And <laughs> yeah, we, we were cycling past these lakes in Biscaross and she saw this sign saying wake foiling lessons. So she was like, Dom, Epic. why don't you do that? And that was it. That was, I was <laughs> the next day we were there. I got up on my third attempt and that glide. Wow. I was just literally addicted from that second, went back to the UK spent two and a half grand on foiling equipment, spent another few hundred quid getting it back to Amman. And yeah, it was all sub foiling equipment with a four meter wing, which was the stupidest thing. I mean, I didn't know any better at the time, but Amman is plagued by light wind most of the time. And the four meter wing was just pointless. So next thing I did was buy a seven meter. And, and that, that really, actually that was what started my downwinding journey because with the big old GoFoil 280 Maliko, and a seven-meter wind wing. That was what I was able to to learn to to downwind on. Unreal! It's crazy how a feeling can change your course in life, isn't it? It really is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I liken it to the only other sport that I've I've had this sort of feeling. You know, the, the Voyager Foiler crew. I absolutely respect what they do. I mean, they are the pioneers of downwinding, I think, and, and their whole view and, and sort of outlook on, on the sport is just incredible. It, it, it really resonates with me. And for me, when I'm downwinding, I sort of get in this, this, this zone where everything feels effortless. It's sort of almost like an out-of-body experience that everything physically becomes effortless because it's all flowing. And I only have ever experienced that before when I was doing triathlon and I would be in the cycle or the run state, not the swim, because I was a pretty rubbish swimmer and, and I had to do any, everything that I could to concentrate on not drowning. But when I was running or cycling, I would be able to get myself into this state of, it felt like I was floating, even running. I was, it felt like there was no impact and my legs were spinning, but still had friction enough to propel me along. And I felt like I could go at that pace forever i mean i couldn't but it felt like that and downwinding for me when i get in the zone and i'm i'm feeling that flow of tapping into the energy of the ocean the swell the bumps and you get to the stage where you can predict okay there's a bump about to form there i'll carve back and as it forms i'm gonna do a nice cut back on it or you know whatever you want to do and you get to notice the diff. Although this for me is still a real challenge, is when I go to a new spot, learning the difference between the ground swell, the wind swell, you know how they interact with each other. And once you've sort of 
began to figure out the patterns that form because of that, I feel like I'm I'm really getting at sounds sounds very hippieish, but I, I feel like I'm getting at one with with nature, with the energy from the ocean, and and that is a feeling that I don't think I've I've never done a downwind run that I haven't at the end of it gone. I want to do that again. I seriously I'm looking for possibilities of how the hell can I get back to the start point to do it again. Whereas even with some surf set, uh, you know, full prone falling surf sessions, I'm like, okay, I'm done now. I'll uh, I'll come back again tomorrow or whatever. But downwinding, it's just like, nope, want more, want more. <laughs> yeah, there's something about playing that game, the feeling of glide, feeling of surfing, the infinity of downwinding. It's just it, it it's so addicting. Yeah, there's so many aspects to it. I mean, people yeah. say that you know golfing is addictive because you know you can never perfect it there's always something to work on well wow downwinding times 10 i mean if you want to you can hammer it surf style you can just take a little pause you can glide you can be chilled and take in your surroundings you can you know try and hammer it for speed or you can I don't know. There's, there's just so many, so many different aspects of it that, yeah, it's it, it literally does engage on every level. What are you enjoying right now in foils? Do you ride for Axis? I do. Yeah, Axis have been so good to me. They they started off sending me the PNG 1150 because I needed a big pump foil for dock starting, and that blew me away. The the other two that I was using. We're okay, but but that was just phenomenal. And me, you know, the teacher and me, I kept on putting my my findings, my thoughts on Insta and on YouTube, and without realizing it, developed a bit of a following. And Axis was happy to to sort of send me a range of foils, some prototypes, some existing ones, on the understanding that if I liked them and I wanted to keep them, then I could. But if I didn't want them, then I could sell them on because you know they give me a a reasonable price on them and then it just progressed and developed into becoming a full team rider and i'm i'm not at the the top of their sort of what's the the the, the design process so I, I don't design these things they send me prototypes i give them feedback and some of the time they probably agree with what i say and some of the time they they probably don't but there's there's a whole group of us that you know, they won't send me everything. They'll send me the things that I'm, you know, suited for. They won't send me the tiny, tiny little uh, surf foils because that's not really my bag, although I'm, I'm beginning to use smaller and smaller foils now. But at the moment, I'm absolutely loving the Spitfires. They really, really are amazing for surfing and for, for sort of downwinding in the right conditions. But the art pros for, for winging and when you've got good downwinding conditions – Wow, <laughs> the art pros are next level. Yeah, they uh, those two ranges for me. But what I love best about Axis is you can just tune everything. Literally, it depends on the the, the fuse, the stab, the you know whether you shim or whether you don't. And my God, the masts now! Wow, <laughs> the the high mod mast was was a game changer. But now the ultra pro mast is is just. I didn't think any, anything could make such a dramatic change to my foiling. This Ultra Pro Mast is, is literally just, again, like full drive. 
change my expectations of what I what, what I'm capable of in falling there. In what way? The level of feel and control that you get from these masts. Um, I mean, I've used. I haven't used the 900 yet. I've used the 800 and the 1050. And I thought I was going to hate the 1050, but I loved it. It took me about 20 minutes to dial it in because it's a long, long uh, mast. But my pumping improved 100%. My confidence in carving with big foils especially improved so much. With the, the 800, every single bit of energy that I push into the or I put into the, the setup, it feels you can feel it all being transferred into the foil. There is no wasted energy. Yeah, the, the bottom third of the mast, literally that whole bottom section is is ultra high performance. So you've got the reduced cord and the reduced profile. So it's super high performance in terms of speed and glide. But the stiffness of the whole thing is is just unparalleled as well. So yeah, I, I feel like I, there's nothing apart from foil drive. There is nothing else that's raised my foil game quite as much as the Ultra Pro Mars have. Looking at the mast right now, so a thirteen point five. That's like the original uni thickness on mast, which is so slippery. If you can get yeah. that stiff, that's going to definitely. But it's not like other tapered masts. Uh, tapered masts, you get a very small sweet spot. Mm. Too close to the fuse, you've got that little bit of extra sort of flex that you don't really want, but you have to have because of the design. Too high and, you know, it's thicker and, and deeper profile. You get a very small sweet spot. But the, the Ultra Pro, the way that it's designed, it's got this dog leg that comes in, so it reduces that profile. And from that point, the... the Sorry, it reduces the cord. And from that point, the profile is, is also uh, less thick. But it's, also, it's not even that. They've, they've changed the, the thickest part of the profile is way further back than any other mast I've ever seen. And I can remember Adrian telling me about, about this when it was still in the, in the design stage. They, they would, I mean, Adrian's one of these people who he'll take on board ideas from other people. He's got so much experience but when I say other people, I mean from other industries. So, you know, he listens to people who are in the space industry, the aeronautical industry, just everywhere. And I can remember him telling me that somebody suggested that they would get a better performance if they reversed the existing 19 mil aluminium mast, because the tests that they've done in their industry show that having the the thickest part of, of something like that is, is more efficient further back. So literally, they, they did a bit of a Heath Robinson literally then and there, and they, they made the mast plate fit somehow, I don't know. But they turned the mast around so that the, the trailing edge was now the leading edge, and they tested it literally then and there. And they could see instantly that there was less drag, less of a rooster tail coming out the back, it was faster, it was slippier, but the only problem was that because it was so narrow at the front that it was actually quite difficult to initiate a turn. It wanted to carry on in a straight line. So they've done all the testing, all the R&D and everything else. So I wasn't in, involved in any of the, the, the testing of the, the Ultra Pro Mast itself. I've, it's mostly foils that they send me to, to test and give feedback. But yeah, the, this, this new profile where the thickest part is further back, like about two thirds of the way back, seems to make a huge difference as well. It's awesome. It's so fun. Where do you think we are right now as far as percentage of complete 
on the design aspect? Like how much better will foils be in 10 years than they are currently? I, I mean, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> not even the top designers know, and, and I am a million miles from being a top designer. Obviously, it's going to improve. Look, look at the boundaries that we've smashed in the short time foiling has been in existence. Um, I, I haven't seen any slowdown in the progression yet. I mean, kite surfing, as an example, you know, when it first started, there was huge progression, leaps and bounds. Now, I think it's fair to say that it's it's still improving, but in in tweaks and in fine, you know, subtleties. More and more, the ranges are being developed for a specific style of riding or to suit a particular rider. Rather than getting better, it's just getting better for that style or better for that rider. So that's good for the, for the general public because they can choose a range that suits their riding better. But foiling is still in that, that sort of honeymoon stage where... It's just traveling so quickly, and, and who knows where it's going to end. I mean, if you look at Wake Thief, he's involved with a company that's producing that beta foil with two masts and, and the wingspan that, I don't know, it's just ridiculously big. But it's, it's, a, it's a dock starting, flat water pumping design. And apparently the owner is pumped for two hours, 40 minutes on it, the designer himself. Wake Thief, he's done, a th I'm pretty sure he said 40 minutes non stop pumping now i think once in my life i broke three minutes flat water pumping from a dock start and i was literally i was heaving my guts my, my, my lungs up at the end of that three minutes and i'll never do it again because it, it just wasn't a pleasant experience and most of the time i'm pumping around you know minute minute and a half max before i have to you know stop and, and recover but uh, 40 minutes two hours 40 minutes because this thing is so efficient. I mean, you can't turn it to save your life. It's literally, you, you explained <laughs> that you have to literally jump on one, one rail of the board constantly for it to slowly, like, a bit like an oil tanker, I suspect. But um, that's not what it was designed for. It's designed to pump, to, like, Devin was telling me, there's Wake Thief's real name, Devin, he, he was telling me that um, he has never been able to crack beach starting but this thing makes beach starting ridiculously easy i mean yeah there's a very steep learning curve but once you've got it it's it's there so if, yeah i mean every aspect of foiling is now is now <laughs> becoming so niche yet mainstream it's it, all of these different aspects of foiling and and i've got to go back to the to the <laughs> product product hype or what's what's the publicity for foil drive because in my humble opinion and this really is genuine I, I don't say the people that know me they know that i'm i'm honest but i've got to say that foil drive is the only bit of equipment that i know of that has complete versatility and it's not just that it can be used in every falling discipline from flat water pumping to wake thieving wing foiling in light winds wing foiling in strong wind but winds I'll, I'll tell you about that if you want in a minute Obviously, downwinding, sup foiling, prone foiling. Is there any other aspect of foiling that I've forgotten about? If it is, trust me, foil drive can can help you with it big time. But it's not just that. It's begin. It spans beginners and experts alike. It, it name me something, something else that has that level of versatility, because I can't think of it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there is. It's so cool. Maybe the mid length boards. 
Oh man, I've been loving what you guys have been doing there. Yeah, I mean, right. So I should have said right from the start, I, I've been following you and Mike Pelago for absolutely ages and love all of the stuff. It, it, it The style of, of foiling, the style of downwinding that you do, that's what appeals to me the most. I mean, when I was in Australia with, with a full drive crew, Australia, the conditions and the Australians, they charge hard. You know, I'm peeling off the back of a wave thinking this is too big for me. And they're heading straight for the pocket. They are absolutely nuts, these guys. And Australians are, are made of nails and concrete, I'm sure. They, they, they're not phased by anything and they just get up, shake it off and, and do it all over again. Whereas I'm, I'm looking at the Florida, Florida conditions and I'm going, that's what I really love the best. I love those conditions where you can really focus on just, you know, turning mushy conditions. Okay, sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's, it's you know, not ideal. But for foiling, you can turn that into such a cool playground. And I love, this is what Muscat did for me. I love, you know, you, you, you get the best out of one bit of a wave or a bit of swell. And then when that fades, you've already looked and you've already seen where you're going to go. Maybe you know the spot so that you can predict, yeah, from this particular pattern, I've got to now go over there and, and write, find something on that particular sandbar. And you, you, you pump over there. Something turns up as you get there. Maybe it doesn't. You have to go a bit further. You can turn it into an ever-changing skate park. And yeah, for, for me, those conditions really resonated whenever I saw you doing anything. And I actually contacted Mike ages ago, asking him about a, a prone board design that, oh, he, that he was doing. Yeah, and, and I would have got it too if it wasn't for the just the ridiculous shipping costs to Amman from, from, from where he lives in, in Florida. It, it just made it financially impossible. So I was gutted, but uh, yeah, I still watch what you guys do. And this mid-length board, when you started talking about that, oh yeah, by the way, sorry, your, your uniform progression collaboration, the falls that you designed, they would have been perfect for me in Amman. They would have been absolutely perfect. When I was over there, it was all about the PNG, the Axis PNG foils, which are, are very slow compared to most surf foils. Very good lift, low speed. They turn pretty good. Got decent glide on them. But as soon as I got to Australia, it was like they didn't work anymore. But thank God the Spitfires had come out because, you know, those, those were just the ticket. But yeah, when you started posting about the mid-length boards, I was like, no way, this has happened again. Because by that stage, me and Adrian had already designed a range of full drive axis collaboration type boards, which you could call them mid-length. We've designed them specifically to be prone downwind boards sort of for foil drive but they're super versatile and could be used for all sorts of things so they range 505458 five, they're like 19 19 and a half 20 inches wide 50 60 70 liters and they make everything easier they really do and when you posted that stuff about the mid-length boards that you you designed i was like this really resonates i'm, I'm so glad that it's it's happening everywhere. You know, it's it's not just me. It's not just you. There's people out there that uh, have messaged me to say, yeah, I'm writing one of those as well. So and so designed it for me, and it's really cool to to know that, you know, when when you're doing something, you can guarantee it's being done by somebody else somewhere else, and it's so cool to be able to hook up with them and and talk about them. And uh, so I want to know from you what what inspired you to because you you guys rip on those small boards. So what made you go? I'd say back a step, but uh, to to go mid-length rather than stick with the smaller boards. Yeah, it wasn't 
It was interesting. It was, I, I foil with a buddy, Greg, who is an absolute legend, incredible kiter, incredible winger, getting into prone and he's older. And so prone has been the hardest genre of foiling for him um, because he's never been a surfer. And sounds very much like me. Yeah. After, I mean, he's, I think mid sixties and after just a legend and after foiling with him for a year and just watching him go through four boards, five boards, something like that. And mm. just everything was, was difficult and it just boards weren't efficient enough to let him get up early. And then the balance was off because he's riding bigger boards and people, mm. you know, like I feel like downwinding, I think everything's, you know, the next step is always logical. What you just said there about people landing on the same thing at the same time, that's not random, right? It's because there have been yeah. these like little breadcrumbs that we've seen or little aha moments throughout the evolutionary curve of foiling. And then the next thing becomes somewhat evident to the people who are really tapped in. And I feel like yeah. what, what downwinding did for us was allow us to really understand swing weight and understand what you can get out of a much bigger board. And so if you think about where foiling started four or five years ago, people were on five, six, six O's, but we didn't understand yeah. is where to put the weight, how to, how to, you know, use volume so that it was a good surf experience. So immediately you want to start coming down in size because it's just so much better. But then, mm. you know, watching my buddy Greg in the water one day, I was just like, dude, let me design a board for you. And cause I think I can make your journey a lot easier. That's so so cool. That was the first one of these. That was probably a year or so ago, year and a half ago. I don't know. And so watching him progress on that board and then he's a great winger and he used to have like five, six boards in the back of his car at all times. All of his gears at the back of this old, like 19, their 2002 Toyota Land Cruiser. And yeah, he just, you know, he's always prepared. He just shows up. Everything's right there in the back of his truck. And after <laughs> having you know, the unique quiver killer, the portal, we call it the Enigma for a couple months, I, we were showed up to a surf spot. It was the only board he had in the back of his truck. <laughs> I thought that was so cool. And, yeah. you know, and then we refined it over the last few months or I guess six months ago, whatever we were doing the design process for uni on it, we went through a bunch of iterations to, to make it better, but he's still riding gen one. He's got an order in for gen two right now, but that's how it came about. And then Really, even at that point, it wasn't something I thought I was going to spend a lot of time on. But then in the testing of the shapes, I just realized that like there's not a lot that you're giving up. And, you know, there are certain days when I'd still want to be on regular prone boards and, you know, obviously love towing on little tiny boards too. Mm. Yeah. But no. a lot of days the call is that board and, and you just leave the water having fun every time. It's just so much, everything's easy, right? It's like easy yeah. the waves. Don't. There's always going to be pros and cons. There's, it doesn't matter what you're riding. You know, small boards, it's going to be so much more dynamic, but it's harder to get up on foil and catch waves, blah, 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 um, and, and vice versa for the big ones. Um, and I think your your story there, that that's very similar, but in a, in a completely different way as, as how these prone downwind boards evolved with us because I was – such an advocate for, you know, your 4.0, your 4.6, that sort of thing. And I would do everything on them, literally, apart from wing foiling, where I'd be on a 55-litre board. But for everything else, it was all about those small boards. And when I got to Australia, <laughs> I started off doing downwinders with them on a 4.6. 
And there was one horrific moment where I was <laughs> I was about to run out of battery because the, the ocean that day was so full of weed. And I was about halfway along this 8K downwinder that we'd, we'd done. And I knew I wasn't going to get to the end of it. And I was like looking in to the shore going, where's, where's a place where I can get in? And suddenly I saw this fin and I had this, this instant shock, this cold sweat going down my spine. And almost as instantly I realized it was a dolphin. But what that did for me was make me realize, okay, if I have to paddle in here, it's going to take me best part of an hour because I'm on a 32 liter board or 35 liter board. And I'm dragging half of my body mass through the water as well as the board. And it's not going to be safe and it's not going to be pleasant. So from that point, I listened to Paul and Trav at Full Drive, who are all, you know, they're, they're loving their, you know, slightly bigger boards. And as such, I just really got into this, this sort of level of determination of, okay, so if this is the experience that I've found, and I'm now using these slightly bigger boards like 410 or 50, but I'm not happy with them because they're essentially, they're surfboards, they're big, they're clunky, the weight isn't right for downwinding. How can we make this a better experience for, for people, make it easier for downwinding? We've got this foil drive, this incredibly cool tool to help people, but why strap it on a board that isn't ideally suited? So we then started thinking, okay, what would be the best style, dimensions, everything else for, for prone downwinding with foil drive? And long story short, we tried, we had loads of different custom boards made, different designs, different sizes, dimensions. And again, then we, I, I approached Adrian and started, you know, saying, look, we, we've, how about making a range of boards and I explained the, the rationale to him. And he was all for it because look, what, what I love about Adrian and Evan the most is that like me, their passion lies in trying to allow everybody, no matter what discipline of foiling you're doing, no matter what weight, no matter what skill level or fitness level, they want to produce equipment that enables everybody to be able to enjoy foiling so we came up with this this design it turns out that not only does it make downwinding so much easier than a four six prone board but it doesn't compromise much if at all on on the performance it makes it a hell of a lot safer and the beauty is that they surf really well as well in, in the right conditions you, you're never going to take them into these you know shoulder high to to you know, double overhead waves that are, you know, forming massive great walls, but they will handle the majority of conditions so, so well. They're the most versatile boards that I've, I've been able to use. And this is where I keep coming back to. I want to help people to get into foiling, to experience the joy of foiling, to help their progression and, you know, full drive and now these mid-length boards, these prone downwind boards that we've we've designed, it's it's all <clears throat> hopefully going to to help people to to get into foiling. That's the plan. Yeah. No. I mean, and experience. Like one of the things that I think about a lot is the difference between optimizing for the moment and optimizing for the overall experience. And as surfers. And I guess you, you don't come from the surf world necessarily, but surfers are generally optimizing for the moment, right? You, you think about the still shot of a 
of a of a incredible turn on a on a surfboard. It, it's just mm. it's just amazing. Or the, or getting barreled, you know, which is you know two three seconds if you're really lucky, and you know you're you're willing to spend a whole morning to try to get that one moment versus yeah, right. optimizing for the experience of I'm going to have incredible amounts of fun for the next two hours. Yeah, and I think that change. I'm still working on myself to embrace that change coming from surfing where, you know, you want to do the most radical thing in the water, but, you know, I feel like foiling is optimized for experience and there's certain things that we should lean into the efficiencies and the beauty of what a foil offers and, and let go of, of maybe some of those like most extreme moments in doing so. And I think you end up happier at the end. And I think that's why downwinding is so amazing is because downwinding mm -hmm. takes away a lot of that radical and it's more about experience from the get-go. You don't go out on a downwinder saying, this is, you know, the crazy maneuver I'm going to do necessarily. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. I really couldn't. I mean, for me, one of the main, re well, there's two main reasons why I never really got into surfing. First of all, I never lived near a surf break that enabled me to practice enough to, to you know, crack it. And secondly, when I did the rare times when I did go surfing, I was like, uh, obviously really bad because I was a complete beginner. And I would, if I could get up on the board, it would be over in three seconds flat. And, and I'd be like 20 minutes trying to catch the next wave. And it, it just frustrated me. I've got, a, I've got a very low sort of threshold for, for I, I get bored real easy. And even though I could see the potential payoff, I just wasn't in a position to be able to get to the stage where I was able to do it and, and reap the rewards. So that's why I think I, pref I, I, I clicked with windsurfing. But as soon as kite surfing came out, that was just way more dynamic for me. And yeah, it was that constant, like you say, you either live for the moment, that brief moment, or you want to be experiencing something that inevitably won't be quite such that high level, but it's for much longer period of time. And me and Jamie Wise, this this kid really, I mean, he's he's 21. He he works at Full Drive. He's super. I mean, he's going to be an you know engineer of the future. He's he's just one of these minds that gets everything to do with electronics and, and engineering and everything. And he rips on small prone boys, small small prone foils. He is an absolute ripper. He's going to be big. So so watch out for Jamie Wise. So. <laughs> He's got a very, very much opposite mentality on the water to me. And he's from a surfing background and he is even foiling. He's very, very happy. It's his thing to wait in the lineup, wait for the right wave. He can tell which one to get. I can't. He'll catch it. He will do the most amazing turn or turns. He'll pump back out. And if there's nothing suitable that he likes to look off, he'll just glide to a stop and wait for something that's worthy of his, of his abilities. And if something does turn up, that uh, means he can link, he can link many waves and, and he will if, if it's, if it's right now, cause I haven't had that surfer's mentality cause he, he obviously learned to surf first. And, and that's, I think why he's, he's in this sort of state of mind. Whereas me, I'm I'm not that in tune with you know looking for the right wave for the for the right section and everything else. I just want to be on foil riding, 
And I'd rather be on foil riding crap for half an hour than sitting in the water for 20 minutes and catching one perfect wave. And there's no right or wrong. You know, everyone's got their own preferences. That's mine. Jamie's is, is the other. So uh, I, I completely agree with you that, you know, it's are you present for that one moment? Is that your thing? Or are you more about the, the sort of the overall picture? <laughs> it's a very interesting thing to, to sort of discover about yourself, I think. Yeah, and I don't think that, I think there are days when you can pick and choose what you're doing. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think it also depends on on who you're with. I think that like your crew changes that, you know, like I am much more apt to go out and just flow around for a couple hours by myself than I am if I'm in the water with Pedigo Austin and Brian. You know, <laughs> that's cool. That's really cool. I, I, this is, you know, I love hearing this because, you know, one day I can aspire to that because I, it, it sounds really sad. Please, I'm not asking for sympathy or anything, but I, I don't have a crew because in Muscat, in Amman, you know, I, I was pretty much, there was me and a, and a really, really good friend of mine called Lars, who was super busy at work and couldn't get on the water quite as much as I could. So essentially it was just us two. Most half the time it was just me foiling and, and that was it. And now I've got, I've got this job with full drive and I'm, I'm literally traveling around so many different places that, you know, I'm with different people all the time. And I love that because it's a different experience. But at the same time, what you've just said just made me realize I don't actually have a crew. I, I, you know, at, at some stage, maybe I will, now that I'm settled in the Netherlands and there's a lot of foilers here, then maybe I will become a part of a crew and, and that'll be good in, in a different way. But yeah, that's, that's super interesting. I didn't think about it from that point of view that other people can influence your riding style. That's, that's super interesting. Absolutely. You know, what's crazy here now, and this weekend was such an interesting testament to it, is that I was the first person to foil in our area prone anyways you know i think there's some kite kite guys here going mm. back what five years i think i've been foiling now and for the first few years there was a very small crew and we would generally like just meet up and you know the three four five as it grew of us would would always foil together something's caught fire here in the last year and now i think was it two days ago was a pretty decent day here and i went down to foil with with like one one crew and i think we had seven or eight guys in the water there and then there was another crew like three four miles north of us on the beach i think they had like over 10 you know like I, you don't even know all the guys who are foiling anymore which is really interesting and there's this whole wow. generation getting into it as well and it, it's it's I don't know. It's it's like a weird feeling. It's it's like you're watching a baby grow up or whatever. Like there's a maturity <laughs> in the sport that's happening now, and it's it's not such a. It's still a very incredibly tight knit community, but we don't always call each other to go foil anymore, right? Like there's always some guys out at certain spots. You just show up, and yeah, it's it's really starting to change, which is really cool. Uh, it changes dynamic for sure. I think it was who I was listening to Josh Koo. He was he was being interviewed by Dave West, and he was saying that that there is <laughs> this worry in the back of his mind that all these young guns, these these kids are ripping, and you know how long is it before they make the you know the old guard redundant? But 
he's absolutely right when he said that no matter how good these young these young guys come up to be we i suppose not necessarily me but you know yourself josh ku all, all of the the pioneers are going to have that level of experience that nobody else will have beneath them and that brings something very very valuable to to the whole to the whole you know falling scene there's there's yeah it's great to have the youngsters pushing the envelope and there's still a lot of people who are you know in falling right from the start who are by no means can be considered old guard and they are still ripping <laughs> ripping big but you know they have experience that you know that that counts for a lot it really does it brings it brings a, a whole level of of well, maturity but a different perspective that i think needs every sport needs that level of maturity for for guidance yeah yeah <laughs> I, I i agree with that although you know talking having balls on the show recently and like listening to him talk about what's happening on the wing foil world tour where mm. you know he's just i mean he's still leading the sport but it it's also being dominated now by 14 and 16 year olds yeah you know and i could see that coming you know like all i had to do was go on austin's boat one time and see what he was doing to realize that it's going to it's going to happen so fast yeah i mean i i, I experienced not the racing scene myself but when i was windsurfing i saw it and i could see the wing foiling sort of sector going that route and i knew it was going to leave me behind and and i'm happy for that. that's probably the only part of foiling that i feel like has left me behind i will wing foil to go downwinding i will wing foil to you know get me into the waves but as far as racing i mean it's exciting it can be exciting to watch but I don't want to do it myself. The freestyle element of it blows my mind. But again, I don't want to do it myself. And yeah, it, it doesn't really matter that, you know, the, the sport may fragment. I think that would be sad in a way, but it's it's inevitable because these disciplines, like I said before, they're, they're going to go their own route and they will become more specialized. So in a way, that's good. Separation, you know, will lead to, to sort of growth in a different way that if it's all merged together... Um, yeah, I, 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 I watch what Boltz does and it just defies belief. I'm sure he defies the laws of physics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, that was such a fun show. Just his positivity, his energy. So good. Yeah. The beautiful thing about these sports is that there's no right and wrong, you know, as long as you're having fun and you're enjoying it. And there's really, I mean, in prone there are a couple contests a year i mean it's not like that type of sport yet and you know there's downwind racing but i think at the end of the day 97 percent of people don't care about racing it's more about having fun while you're out there and i think that i so said one of the things that i'm a little bit nervous about right now is that i think we'll learn a lot through designing foils that are supposed to be fast offshore but i hope that in their we can still think about foils that are going to be fun offshore because yeah. of the difference. Mm. Well, that, that's the ultimate goal, isn't it? To have one foil that will perform in every respect. <laughs> it's, I don't think specialized. it's going to happen. 
I don't think it can do. It, it, no. Again, you know, that would defy the laws of physics. But, you know, it's, it, it's not often that you, you need a foil to do that many multidisciplined tasks or functions. It's, uh, you know, you, you, you've got certain areas that you're going to foil in. And, uh, yeah, I, th- I think most designs will be able to cope with that and a bit more. I mean, it, for a downwind-specific foil, most of them are pretty good at, f- at surfing as well. And you can downwind with a surf foil. You know, neither of them maybe are ideal, but there is an amount of crossover to to all of them. Yeah, I, I think I think when when you're talking about the foil, the, the future of foiling, I go back to what we talked about right at the beginning of of this conversation. That there's only so many surf breaks to go around, and they are crowded. They're going to get more crowded, and if this carries on, the, the, there will be more and more arguments, and, and that's not good for anyone. The future is downwinding. The future is going out there and doing, you know, stuff in the ocean. It'll become more accessible. It'll become safer. And I think that's the biggest untapped area at the moment. I, I know wing foiling is is the biggest market in foiling, I think. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm right in saying that. The biggest and the fastest growing because it's more accessible. As soon as we crack the accessibility of downwinding, and full drive will definitely help, then you know it, it's an explosion waiting to happen. Why? Well, because where else is there? You know, if if you go to Tarifa or, or you know, there's a lot of places in the world that you know you go to a beach and you see just the sky covered with kites, and you look down and you see windsurf sails and now wing handwings everywhere. That's not my idea of fun. I don't want to be dodging people. I want to be able to to ride the 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 conditions and not have to worry about dodging people or who the hell's going to land on me this time. I want to be out there just, you know, utilizing the energy in the ocean and, and, and getting a feel for the, for the flow. And for that, you need open spaces. And, and I think the only way you can do that at the moment is, is through downwinding. Yeah. I love all genres of foiling and it'd be a close, if I had to pick between downwinding and prone, it'd be hard. Yeah, I mean, there is that. It's so special. <laughs> like riding waves is so amazing. So I don't it want to really is. out. It's been so down centric <laughs> on the show, but yeah. Well, what I, do you want to think? Well, actually, la- question for you: How do you test a foil drive? Where do they have them in Florida right now? Or I'd love to feel one of these things. How? Oh, right. So yeah, I can. I would love to to see you, you and Mike on on a foil drive. See what you can do with it. I will talk to Ben and Paul and see if we can't get one to you i mean at the moment we're we're sort of like uh there there is a waiting list for for any of the new gen 2 systems i'm Um, sure but yeah i I, i'm pretty sure that there's some stockists around you that have demo kits so yeah we'll we'll figure something out because it'd be uh it'd be really cool to see what you what you can do with it your perspective your take on where it can where it can help you and, and what you what it can enable you to do in foiling as well because uh, yeah you've, you've got all the, the conditions there that i would love to to see you pushing on the full drive as well that would be epic what do you want to leave folks with this has been awesome it's been good catching up getting, getting to know you <laughs> it's been right yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate you having me on and i've listened to your show a lot and uh, yeah it's, it's one of those things where I love talking about foiling. I love putting it out there to to help people. And uh, you know, you've done such a cool job with that for for such a long time. So I'm I'm super stoked to be a part of it. Thanks. Thanks. What do I want to leave people with? It's just keep an open mind and just see what 
you know, it doesn't matter what type of foiling you're doing or what equipment you're using. Make up your own minds about what works for you and what makes you feel good. Because I've seen so many people sort of beating themselves up. Well, why can't I do this? Why can't I do the same as that person? And it's, it's all, you're different. You've got your own style. You've got, you know, you're on take of your own take on things. And when, when people have got the courage of their own convictions and, and they can just make their own, their own way, travel their own path, I think everything becomes just a little bit better all around. I love that. Dominic, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank um, you. Excited to see where this whole thing goes and what happens over the next five years with these things. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a crazy it, journey. Yeah. The process uh, has happened much faster than I thought when I was thinking about this a few years ago, which is really interesting to go back and, and look at. So congratulations. And I hope everything goes well for you. Thanks, man. That's really kind. Awesome. Deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen.